Normal broadcasting has been discontinued. Coming to you from Portland, Oregon. The sports business capital of North America. Keep your radio tuned to this frequency. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Now, your host. I tell you, I've never seen anything like that guy. Brian Berger. Well, thanks for checking out the only show in the country dedicated to covering the business side of sports. Glad to be back in the chair after a week off. Glad you could join us this week. In segment three, we are going to talk about some things that teams and leagues are doing to try and deal with this poor economy that we continue to see get worse and worse. It's really starting to impact the leagues and the teams, and they're coming up with creative ways to try and deal with the loss of disposable income that most of their fans have. We'll talk about that coming up in segment three. In segment four, we're going to talk about Alex Rodriguez's hip surgery. No, I'm not going to become Dr. Berger and tell you about how the surgery was done, but I'm just not buying this hip injury. This is something that just came out of nowhere. We weren't hearing about it two months ago before any of the steroid talk. I'm a little bit of a conspiracy theorist this week, and we'll talk about that coming up in segment four. A couple of other notes. Visit my Sports Business blog or download the SBR podcast on demand. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. I'm joined in studio by Bobby Corser and Nathan Roach. Nathan, uh, some incredible NBA action this week. I've got to tell you, I was in Miami last week, got to see Dwayne Wade play. He is my vote for the MVP award, and after... He uh, had that amazing game-winning shot in double overtime against the Bulls. I think he, if he wasn't on people's ballot, because most people have been talking about LeBron and Kobe, he absolutely thrust himself onto the scene this week. Oh, yeah. He stepped it up the season big time, and I agree. I mean, the game was fantastic. Another great game. We had the Lakers and the Blazers. That's actually a rivalry again, although the Blazers did beat him by about 20. But, yeah, it's getting really exciting again for the NBA. I'm, I, maybe it's just because I'm in Portland, but uh, I, I'm thrilled about this season. Well, I mean, I saw LeBron and Dwayne Wade face each other the other night, and that's would a they game— both, they, They both dropped, what, 42 or something? Yeah, ridiculous over 40 number? points, and it's a game I would have paid to watch, and I can't remember except for when Bird Magic and Jordan and Barkley and David Robinson were playing a time when there have been more young, exciting players in the NBA, from LeBron to D. Wade, Chris Paul, Darren Williams is playing out of his mind for the Utah Jazz. It's just a really exciting time to watch— NBA basketball right now. So we've got lots of good information coming up for you on this week's edition. I want to invite you to go to sportsbusinessradio.com. Go to our Facebook page. Become our Facebook friend. We're into interactive social media now. Look at us. We're going places. All right, coming back with headlines. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Stick around. This is Brian Berger from Sports Business Radio. I know many of our listeners dream of a job in the sports industry but don't know where to begin. To me, it's an easy call. Go where sports business education got its start, at the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. As the first business school in the country to offer undergraduate and graduate programs themed around this multi-billion dollar industry, the Warsaw Center offers a unique blend and strong general business training. Sports business curriculum taught by industry experts and rich out-of-classroom experiences, including real-world consulting projects, study tours, and internships. With a strong industry and alumni network and a staff dedicated to accelerating your career, the Warsaw Center has a proven track record of placing students in teams, league offices, corporate sponsors, marketing agencies, sports media, and sports shoe and apparel firms. 
But like any elite team, there's only a few spots on the roster. To learn more, visit sportsbusinessradio.com for a link to the center's website. The Warsaw Sports Marketing Center. Passion, integrity, and leadership in sports business education. Back to Sports Business Radio with Brian Berger. It's time for this week's Sports Business Radio headline, sponsored by the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon. Visit warsawcenter.com for more information. Headline number one. CBS News and Sports President Sean McManus said this week that the NCAA Men's Basketball Tournament, the ad sales, they're about 90% sold out. Ad rates are flat with last year, with the Final Four getting about $1.3 million per 30-second spot. Early round games getting about $350,000 for a 30-second spot. Now, the big growth for CBS is with their March Madness On Demand. That's where you can watch the games Online, they're expected to hit $30 million in ad revenues. That's up $23 million from last year. Nathan, we're hoping to have Jason Kent, who's in charge of March Madness On Demand, on our show next week. He couldn't join us this week, but we've talked repeatedly over the last few years. This is an area that's really growing for CBS. It used to be that we'd sit at work and we'd go, gosh, I can't watch the games. I want to play hooky. i got to go home or i got to find a bar and watch the games. Now, most places that have computers, you can watch the games right online, and advertisers are eating up the ads. Well, yeah, and not only that, but what makes this great as well is even if you're at home and you have wireless internet in your house and you have your computer there, because not everybody's got the special packages, you can watch one game on your computer, which is what I do, and you watch one on the TV. So it works not just at work, although I love the boss button and, and the whole work concept, but it really is the future of how we're going to watch most sporting events. We've said that for the last four years. Well, and the technologies are getting better every year. You remember a few years ago, it was Hard to get in the room. You were in line slow. forever. It was slow. Uh, so it's getting better every year. They're able to have more bandwidth and have more traffic on the site. So, you know, I can tell you that's probably the way that I'll watch the early round games. And then I tend to sit in front of the TV for the later round well, games. And the nice thing about it, too, is, yes, there's ads. And, and we all, you know, it drives us nuts when we have to watch ads on TV. But it's only usually one ad during breaks. So it's not that bad from a viewer's standpoint either. So it works well for both parties. All right, our next headline, the NFL Players Association. The 32 player reps, they're going to meet this weekend to elect the union's next leader from a candidate list that includes former NFL Players Association presidents Troy Vincent and Trace Armstrong, lawyers Maurice Smith and David Cornwell. The executive director position has been vacant since last year when longtime union leader Gene Upshaw died of cancer. This is such an important role for the NFL and especially the Players Association, obviously. We may have a work stoppage coming up in the next year or two. Troy Vincent, I don't think he's going to be the guy. There's been a lot of controversy surrounding him. He's definitely the most outspoken guy. If I had to bet on someone, I'm going to go with D. Maurice Smith. We will see if he's the guy, but that's the guy who I just have a feeling is going to be the next leader of the NFL Players what, Association. What makes you say that it's going to be Smith? I just think that he's kind of this up-and-coming guy. He's a very bright uh, lawyer, and I think the union is going to embrace him. You know, we've seen Trace Armstrong and Troy Vincent in the president's role for the Players Association. I think they might want someone in there who maybe doesn't have the baggage that those players have, someone who comes in with more of a clean slate and a fresh outlook. So, again, I don't have a ton to base this on, but 
that's kind of the guy that I'd bet on if I had to bet on one of those four candidates. Well, and we've said this the last couple months, is just some tough shoes to fill. I mean, Upshaw was so respected, so well-regarded, that whoever's coming into this position certainly has some big shoes to fill. And I think Upshaw wasn't at an advantage. He's a former player. He was very, very well-connected throughout the NFL, both on a player's standpoint as well as the league standpoint. So I think that this is going to be a tough position to fill no matter which one of those candidates gets it. Well, and again, there's going to be a showdown in the next few years for a new bargaining agreement. You've got on one side uh, the owners who say, look, the guaranteed money, the signing bonuses have gotten out of control. You know, you're seeing guys sign for 40 or $50 million for signing bonuses. Don't forget in the NFL, your contracts are not guaranteed. The only thing that's guaranteed is your signing bonus. You also have owners that have had to lay off staff this offseason because of the fact that the economy is down. So a lot of owners are crying poor while... The players will say, look, this is a multi-billion dollar league. We're getting hundreds of millions of dollars from just TV revenue alone, much less ticket sales. So it's going to be an interesting showdown. This is such a key hire for the NFL Players Association, and this person will really have to come together with uh, the people, mainly Roger Goodell, leading the owner. So keep your eye on this. It's one of those headlines that... Uh, you know, may not be front page of your sports section or on the front page of uh, you know your favorite internet site, but it's going to be a big story over the next uh, few months. Headline number three: drug paraphernalia that Brian McNamee says he used to inject pitcher Roger Clemens has performance-enhancing substances on it. This, according to people briefed on the case, who were quoted anonymously in the New York Times on Tuesday. McNamee said he used syringes vials, and gauze pads to inject Clemens with steroids and human growth hormone in 2000 and 2001. McNamee said he kept the items in a FedEx box in his basement. A grand jury is investigating whether Clemens perjured himself in front of Congress when he denied using performance-enhancing substances. Clemens says McNamee did inject him, but the substances were vitamin B12 and lidocaine, which is a painkiller. This is more bad news for Roger Clemens. Again, the feds have a big case in front of them, a big task in front of them. It's hard to prove someone perjured themselves. But the evidence continues to mount against Clemens, and DNA doesn't lie. And when they find more and more substances on these syringes and pieces of paraphernalia that Brian McNamee kept, you know, in his basement and behind a TV in his house— it's just bad news for Roger Clemens. He looks more guilty by the day. Well, yeah, and you have to wonder that moving forward, whether anybody is going to go the Roger Clemens route or is everybody going to take note of the way he handled this situation and moving forward going to do the A-Rod where you just come out, you admit that you did something wrong, and you move on. I mean, we talk about it all the time. Pettit, Giambi, all these guys who came out in minute, they're they're riding off into the sunset right now, and Clemens has to be sitting there going, whoever advised me is an idiot because now look at the situation I'm in, and there's no going back at this point. You know what, though? I don't buy that, Nathan, because, A, Clemens is his own boss. So if he wanted to come clean, he could have done that without listening to his advisors. If he wanted to come clean today, he could still do that. There's no one that has a gun to his head that says, hey, Clemens, you can't come clean. The other thing I will tell you is that we have not heard the end of the Alex Rodriguez story. He has not come clean and moved on like Pettit and Giambi. We have not even scratched the surface on that story, and I promise you that. And there's going to be more allegations. There's going to be more headlines 
about Alex Rodriguez and performance-enhancing drugs. So that book is not closed. And I think if I was going to say anything, I'd say A-Rod has taken more of a chapter from Roger Clemens' strategy where you kind of, uh, you know— Dance, dance around a little bit. Dance around the issue instead of addressing it head-on like Giambi and Pettit did. Our next headline, the NCAA Women's Basketball Tournament just became a little more interesting, in my opinion. In a speech on Senior Night last week, star University of Oklahoma basketball player Courtney Paris said that if the third-ranked Sooners don't win the title, she's going to give back her scholarship money, valued at close to $64,000. That's according to a story in the Oklahoman. The Sooners are ranked third in the polls currently. They're the top seed in the Big 12 tournament. And they do face a daunting task, though, because they're probably going to eventually run into number one, UConn, who's 31-0. and 32-0 now. 32-0 and currently. And they beat the Sooners by 28 points when they played in November. I'll tell you what. I wouldn't be paying attention to the women's basketball tournament, but I will now because I want to see if Courtney Paris can put her money where her mouth is. Well, yeah, I mean, but this is ridiculous. I love the story. I'll definitely be tuning in. But talk about the amount of pressure that now you've added to your team to go into this tournament. Every single game, they're going to be worried about whether or not she's going to lose $65,000. I think this was a stupid move. It's like guaranteeing a win when the NBA players or NFL players come out and do it. It added, it adds added pressure to the game, especially when you don't want it. It's the NCAA tournament. This is dumb. See, but I disagree with you because when the the players come out and do it, I haven't heard a player come out yet, a pro player saying, "Look, if we don't win this game or we don't give win the championship, I'm going to give back my paycheck." No one's done that yet. Well, yeah, I mean, that, that, she she's essentially saying, "I'm going to put my money on the table and I'm going to give it back." If we don't win the championship, that's going to be interesting to watch. Well, NCAA basketball has got to be thrilled about this because now you've generated a ton of interest in this one team, and we'll see if they go all the way. Are you going to be rooting for her? I will be rooting for her, and I think the casual viewer who may not have tuned into the tournament is probably going to tune in now at least to the Oklahoma games, or at least they'll keep an eye on the results and go, oh, wow, she backed up her big statement, or, oh, that poor young lady has to give $64,000 back. Now, she doesn't have to give it back, but she'd obviously look pretty hollow if she made this statement and then said, well, psych, I'm not giving it back. I I wouldn't give it back. Well, that's you. (laughs) (laughs) All right, our next headline. T.O., your favorite guy that you guys talked about last week while I was gone, he is now amongst the employed again. He was released by the Dallas Cowboys last week. This week he signs a one-year, $6.5 million deal with the Buffalo Bills. You want to talk about going to NFL purgatory? That's where he's gone, to a cold-weather team, to a team that, in my opinion and many other people's opinions, has no chance of winning a championship next year. This just basically shows you how desperate T.O. was. The first guaranteed offer that came his way, he and his agent Drew Rosenhaus snatched it up because they probably knew there's no more offers coming. So if we don't take this one, T.O. may be unemployed next year. Well, it's not even about winning a championship. He's in Buffalo, New York. You've got one of the flashiest players in football. I mean, this is just a nightmare for your endorsements or any marketing value that you're going to have when you're in Buffalo, New York. Buffalo, New York was a team who... Uh, I guess you could say, you know, they lived in a, a nice little modest house and they decided this week, you know what, we're moving into the mansion. We're going to spend a lot of money 
on the expensive house. They went away from their philosophies of the past, and they just signed this guy to a $6.5 million deal. And mark my words, Buffalo Bills head coach Dick Drawn, old school, doesn't put up with garbage. He and T.O., they're going to have a showdown at some point, and it'll be interesting to see who comes out on top in that scenario. All right, our last headline of the week. If you're in the market for an eight-bedroom, 11-bathroom home owned by one of the most notorious quarterbacks in NFL history, well, good news for you. The house is still available. Michael Vick's gated community home in suburban Atlanta went up for auction this last week with a minimum price of $3.2 million. It didn't sell. What a shock, guys. Uh, I actually am shocked by this. I would have thought it would have sold in a heartbeat. People always seem to gobble up this these pieces of history, whether it's OJ's house or his memorabilia or Michael Vick. But I really am surprised. The only reason I'm not is because the housing market is down. But if you got $3.21 million to blow on Michael Vick's house, you're probably not doing so bad. All right, that's it for this week's headlines. We will be back with more Sports Business Radio. See you soon. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. My guest is Dallas Mavericks owner Mark Cuban. Let's go back to the year 2000, the year before you bought the Mavericks. They were 40 and 42. Fan interest was pretty lukewarm. When you bought this team, what did you see in this team? What was the potential that you saw to get them to where they are today? Probably none. Ryan Berger goes one-on-one with the biggest names. My guest is Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. I think the reason why we have a BCS-type system in Division 1A and elsewhere we have playoffs is that the schools in Division 1A feel that the regular season is the most important aspect of football. Read the Sports Business blog and listen to SBR On Demand at SportsBusinessRadio.com. See, I think that's the big thing. Sports Business Radio, Saturday. <laughs> Or online at sportsbusinessradio.com. This is Sports Business Radio. Well, we've talked plenty in the last few months about how the poor economy is impacting the sports world. With CBS Sports, AIG, and Wachovia, they're not returning as sponsors for the NCAA tournament. And Nathan, NASCAR, they're hurting. Tell us about that. Well, yeah, for the first time in more than 13 years, Bristol Motor Speedway is actually advertising tickets for a Sprint Cup race. And Bobby, our producer, knows how hard these tickets are. The tough economic times have forced many of the corporate partners, which we've been talking about, to pull their blocks of seats, which are usually reserved for corporate sponsorships. So that puts Bristol's string of 53 consecutive sellouts in jeopardy for the March 22nd race. Bobby, I don't see this not selling out, but this is a pretty big deal. It is a big deal. You know, it's funny. Bristol is billed as one of those speedways where no matter where you sit, you have a good seat. 160,000 seats and 197 skyboxes. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the draw to Bristol is you can see the entire race. It's like a confined stadium. It's like one of those... You know, it's not like Arthur Ashe Stadium where, you know, everybody's watching the test match, but it's the kind of the same feel. It's a, you know, you feel very intimate with your neighbor. You see everything going on. And the fact that they're not possibly going to sell out, it just blows my mind because this is always one of the bigger races every time NASCAR comes. Now, watch Major League Baseball this season. We have seen with the NBA, with the NFL last year, with the NHL this year, 
the economy hasn't yet completely impacted these sports, but now it's been a few months in this since this poor economy started. Now we're going to see season tickets and uh, ESPN.com's Peter Gammons had an interesting note this week. He says that attendance across Major League Baseball could be down as much as 20% this season. He said it could be really poor for teams such as the San Diego Padres, Toronto Blue Jays, Detroit Tigers, Cleveland Indians, Houston Astros, and the Colorado Rockies. So, you know, this is something that's going to be interesting to watch. We talk about sponsorships going away, but I think more and more people are going to say, I'm not going to buy tickets for Major League Baseball games this year, Nathan. Well, yeah, and now you got to wonder what sort of creative things that sports franchises are going to do to get people to come in. We see all sorts of packages every season for uh, people who can't afford the expensive seats. So I'll be interested to see what kind of promotions that Major League Baseball, NBA, are doing to try to get fans into those seats. Well, it's funny with baseball, some of the most clever promotions are at the minor league level. And it'll be interesting to see, do the major league teams have to resort to doing minor league promotions to draw fans to the ballpark. One creative thing that's going on that we want to talk about this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves. And look, even in good times, the Timberwolves have a hard time selling tickets. They're not a very good team. Not a big market. They're not a big market. Since they traded away Kevin Garnett, they don't really have a superstar player. So they need to do clever things. Well, Timberwolves owner Glenn Taylor this week, talked about the team's new no-risk ticket pledge. And this is a pledge where fans can recoup the cost of season tickets if they lose their jobs before the end of the year. This is interesting. This is almost like a a money-back guarantee. If you buy season tickets and you lose your job, because lots of people are losing their job, I think they, what's the unemployment, at almost 10% right now? 9%. So... It's kind of a no-risk thing. If you lose your job, we're going to give you your money back for the season tickets that you just bought. Other teams, like the Bobcats and the Grizzlies, are saying, look, if you buy season tickets with us, we're going to give you a no-interest payment plan, and we're going to give you 10 months to 12 months to pay off your season tickets. It used to be, if you wanted your season tickets, give me the money up front. There's a waiting list. I mean, look, we're in Portland. The Trailblazers aren't feeling the poor economy yet because they've got money from season tickets and this is the only game in town here in Portland for professional sports. So there are some teams that are still thriving even though there's poor economic times. But you look at teams like the Grizzlies and the Bobcats and the Timberwolves when again, even in good times, they're having a hard time selling tickets. They're coming up with some clever ways to get people to feel more comfortable parting with their money. Well, and we've seen what the Timberwolves have done before with Hyundai. Hyundai is doing the same thing with cars. They're actually, if you buy a car and you lose your job, you can get, you can return the car. I'm sure there's a lot of fine print there. But you talked about interesting promotions that minor league baseball teams do. I think that's a great idea. It's a great draw. And if you can sell a cheaper ticket, people are willing to willing to go to the games. I mean, right here in Portland, the biggest night for the Beavers is mullet night, where everybody wears mullet wigs and has a great time for cheap beer. You wear a mullet for mullet night, don't you? I, I just I just cut my hair into a mullet. I think Bobby goes to mullet night sometimes, too. He goes there to get ladies, though. I've never been to mullet night, and I will never, ever, ever wear a mullet. Oh, I don't have enough hair to have mullet night, so unless I put a wig on, uh, mullet night's not going to work for me. But, you know, again, it will be interesting to see what kind of clever promotions, what kind of 
things like you know, allowing people to recoup their money if they lose their job. What are teams going to do at the Major League Baseball level, the NBA? Um, you know, the NBA right now, some teams are saying, look, uh, if you want playoff tickets and you want priority, you have to put a deposit down on season tickets for next year. Well, there's some people that are like, hey, I can't do that. I'm not going to make a commitment that far in the future because I don't know six months from now if I'm going to have a job. It's just a very scary time for a lot of people whether it's you know buying that new house, a big expenditure like that, buying season tickets, or, hey, uh, am I going to cut down on going out to eat? We are seeing people value their disposable dollar more than they've ever done it before, you know, probably in the last 20, 25 years. Brian, eat or see a Blazer game? Uh, eat. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know, I don't weigh very much right now, but, uh, you know, I think most people, it's more important to have food on the table for your family I don't your know, children some... than it is going to a, a pro sports event. There's a, di- there's a couple diehard fans out there. All right, coming up next, we are going to talk about this whole Alex Rodriguez hip injury thing. As I wrote on my blog this week, I'm not buying it, and I'm going to give you the reasons why. I know A-Rod's already had surgery, but I'm going to tell you why I think this is some sort of a conspiracy. I know I'm not usually a conspiracy theorist. I'm usually a, a factual guy, but I'm just not buying this injury. That's coming up next. You're listening to Sports Business Radio. Hi, this is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. When I'm looking for a place to have dinner with family, friends, or business associates, there's only one restaurant on my list. Morton's The Steakhouse, the best steak anywhere. In its 28th year in business, Morton serves only the finest quality foods, featuring USDA prime-age beef, fresh seafood, hand-picked produce, and decadent desserts prepared to perfection. Not to mention the award-winning wine list. When my destination is Morton's, the best is always on the menu. And they treat me like a VIP during every visit, whether in the dining room or the private boardrooms. With almost 75 restaurants conveniently located around the world, Morton's is the gold standard when it comes to steakhouses. To find the Morton's nearest you or to make a reservation, go online to mortons.com. Morton's, the best steak anywhere and the official steakhouse of Sports Business Radio. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. We are back. Brian Berger, Nathan Roach, and Bobby Corser with you here on Sports Business Radio. And I want to talk this segment about something that has gotten under my skin a little bit, and I haven't heard anyone else come at this story with this angle. So I wanted to throw it out there. And if you want to email me, brian at sportsbusinessradio.com, you can always go into our Facebook page. Just go on to sportsbusinessradio.com, go to our blog Click on the link to our Facebook page, and you can uh, post a comment. All right, so here's my theory, Nathan. Alex Rodriguez, as we all know, about a month ago, a story comes out, Selena Roberts in Sports Illustrated outs A-Rod that he used steroids. And then we see Alex Rodriguez sit down with Peter Gammons, not really say much of anything. And then he has a press conference where he says a little bit more says, I knew we weren't playing with Tic Tacs, but doesn't say much more than that. I still felt like after that press conference, A-Rod had not faced the allegations head on. So we fast forward a few weeks, 
and we learn that Alex Rodriguez has a hip injury. And the Yankees doctors and A-Rod and A-Rod's agent Scott Boris, uh, they all huddle and they go, okay, what do we make of this? Should we cut into Alex Rodriguez and do major surgery that's going to keep him out for maybe all of the season, maybe a good portion of the season? Should we do arthroscopic surgery, which is what they settled on? Or should we do no surgery and A-Rod will just play through the pain? And there were all these different theories out there about what this could mean. But let's look at the facts for a minute. A month and a half ago, no one was talking about Alex Rodriguez's hip. This was not a a concern for the Yankees or for A-Rod. And I find it very curious that after the chain of events that we just mentioned, now Alex Rodriguez's hip needs surgery. It's not like Alex Rodriguez played in a game and there was a collision at home plate and, oh my gosh, A-Rod's hurt, his hip's hurt, he needs to have surgery. It's not like he was in a car accident, a skiing accident, some sort of a mishap where you go, okay, that was the blow that hurt his hip that led to surgery. Where was the conversation about A-Rod's injured hip two months ago before all of the steroid conversation? Do you think that the New York Yankees were looking forward to opening up their new $1 billion-plus ballpark in a few weeks with the focus not being on the new ballpark, not being on their new additions, A.J. Burnett, Mark Teixeira, and C.C. Sabathia, but the spotlight would be squarely upon Alex Rodriguez. If you add all of these things up, I think it's very, very curious, the timing of this surgery and the fact that he went from this could be a very serious surgery to now we've done a surgery that was arthroscopic that will keep him out just enough time to get the new stadium open, kind of hopefully blend A-Rod into the storyline that's already starting to to develop for the Yankees season. I I find it very curious, Nathan. See, and I'm on the fence on this one because on one hand I could see, okay, maybe over the course of the last year, a couple years, A-Rod's had a little bit of a hip problem bothering him to the point where where he says, you know what, now's a good time just to get this thing taken care of, get it fixed with all the controversy surrounding. Maybe I get this thing fixed But where was this injury two months ago? And what was, again, what was the catalyst? Was he in the batting cages during spring training and he turned the wrong way and popped his hip out? I mean, you know, I've heard people say this is a degenerative hip uh, problem like Bo Jackson had. If you remember Bo Jackson, he played for the Raiders and for the uh, Kansas City Royals. I, I just think it's very odd that two months ago, we heard nothing about A-Rod's hip, and this is a serious injury. I mean, you know, Chase Utley had off-season hip surgery. He's going to miss, you know, the first few months of the season, the second baseman for the Phillies. This is not an injury that people take lightly or that goes unnoticed. I just think that there's way, way, way too much for Alex Rodriguez as an individual to lose should this ever get out. If, if he were to, quote-unquote, faked it or brushed it under the, the, you know, under the rug to, to say— I just think that he's got so much to lose. If people found that out, it'd be devastating even more so for his career than it already is. And I just don't think he would risk that at this point. And the Yankees, who are the Yankees to say what it is that 
they're going to do, you know, he can't, they can't keep everybody that knows about this quiet. Well, here's the thing that I also think is very, very concerning about where the sports world has gone. And we, this is the second instance in the last two months that I've seen. Alex Rodriguez, we don't hear that he needs hip surgery, that he's going to have hip surgery from him. We don't hear it from the Yankees. We don't even hear it from his agent. We hear it from his brother who does an interview with ESPN Deportes. Is his brother all of a sudden his unofficial spokesperson? And can A-Rod decide, I'm going to have surgery without consulting with the Yankees first? Now, I said this is the second example of this happening. A month ago, the Houston Rockets learned that Tracy McGrady was going to have season-ending surgery. Tracy McGrady is the star of the Houston Rockets, along with Yao Ming. He's making a lot of money. There were rumors that he may be traded at the trade deadline. And all of a sudden, he comes out and says, I'm having season-ending surgery. And Rick Adelman, the coach of the Rockets, finds out about it in the newspaper, not from Tracy McGrady, not from Tracy McGrady's agent, not from his GM. He finds out about it in the newspaper. What has gone wrong with the sports world when the athlete can just decide one day, hey, I'm shutting it down for the season. I don't care if you're paying me $25 million this year or $20 million. I'm shutting it down. I'm going to have surgery. It's like a race to the operating table. If I can get there before the team finds out about it, if I come out in the media and talk about it, then the team will look bad if they try and stop me. It'll make it look like they're being insensitive or they don't care about my long-term health. I think this is very concerning, Nathan. Uh, well, you know what? I I actually don't think – I think the teams and the organizations and the leagues are to blame. They've created these monsters. We've talked before on the show and talk all the time on the show about how much money NFL players make with signing bonuses and everything else. They have created these monsters, these athletes who think that they are the ones that call the shots and they need to bring order back to whether it's the NFL as an organization or, a, or an individual team like the Houston Rockets. Well, this wouldn't happen in the NFL because, you know, it took you Jerry, money. Well, it took Jerry Jones a long time to figure it out, but T.O. is a cancer, and this is not a guy you want on your team. So he had to eat $9 million of the $12 million signing bonus that he gave to T.O. just last year, but he did it. And T.O., good riddance, he's off to Buffalo. In the NBA and in Major League Baseball, these contracts are fully guaranteed. So if a player like A-Rod or Tracy McGrady decide, hey, I'm going to shut it down and have season-ending surgery or surgery that's going to keep me out for a while, then you can't tear up that contract like Jerry Jones does and says, look, the remaining years on your contract, they're null and void. You got your signing bonus. See you down the road. Well, that's why they need to have guaranteed contracts in all sports, I think. Well, non-guaranteed contracts. Right, non-guaranteed contracts. So you could have a signing bonus. See, but the problem is this, is... You know, and, and we're going to probably have David Falk, who was Michael Jordan's agent and is the author of a book called The Bold Truth, on this show next week to discuss the contracts in the NBA and the current setup of contracts in the NBA and what the next collective bargaining agreement could look like. But I know he's already talked about in his book that, you know, unless owners revamp the way contracts are done in the NBA and it looks more like an NFL contract where the signing bonus is guaranteed or at least 
the guaranteed years are three to four years instead of five or six years like they are now, there's going to be a stalemate. And there are owners in the NBA that have said to me, and it sounds like they said to David Falk in his book, they are willing to sit out a year or two in order to have the system changed. Because, again, they don't want to continue to have guys like Alex Rodriguez or Tracy McGrady or, you know, I think back, we're in Portland, I think back a few years ago, Sean Kemp. He got paid a ridiculous amount of money, and he never played a game for the Trailblazers for the last two years of his contract. So when you have these guaranteed contracts that may look good in years one, two, and three, but then you're saddled with them in years three, four, five, and six, or four, five, and six, it's it's a really bad thing. Now look, the owners have themselves to blame because they're the ones who signed these contracts. They're the ones who said, hey, look, you know, Tom Hicks, I'm going to pay A-Rod $252 million. The Steinbrenners, I'm going to pay A-Rod $250 million. No one had a gun to their head. They still did that anyways. But going back to the original point, I think if you look at the series of events that we've seen in the last two months with Alex Rodriguez, I think it is more than curious that Alex Rodriguez chose now to have surgery, that it was announced through his brother, not through the Yankees. That tells me that the Yankees and A-Rod were not on the same page and that once that interview was done with A-Rod's brother, the Yankees were like, hey, A-Rod, what's going on here? You're announcing that you're going to have surgery. We're paying you you know, a ridiculous sum of money. Are we going to sit down and talk about this or are we going to find out about this after the doctors have already cut into you? Now, the Yankees doctors did perform the surgery in Vail, Colorado. A-Rod's already started his rehab. He supposedly works diligently, so he'll probably be back on the field ahead of schedule. But I still just find this all very, very curious that on opening day, it's very convenient that A-Rod, the distraction, the storyline going into Major League Baseball this season is not going to be there. He won't be at the ballpark. And now the spotlight can be on Sabathia, Teixeira, A.J. Burnett, and the new Yankee Stadium. It's funny. I've never took you for a uh, conspiracy theorist. Well, I look, I've said this many times on this show. I do not think that A-Rod has come clean 100%. I think he's still hiding something. I'd be very curious to find out what was discussed a few Sundays ago at the Major League Baseball A-Rod meeting that was held in New York. Um, you know, I just I know some things that I don't want to really go into on this show because I'm not looking to get sued by anyone, but I feel very confident when I say A-Rod has not come 100% clean, and I think this is nothing more than a diversion, a delay tactic, a stall tactic, because A-Rod and the PR people around him think if we shift the focus somewhere else, whether it's to an injury or if we stay out of the limelight long enough, this story will go away. This story's not going to go away. A, A-Rod, you play in New York, the media capital of the United States. B, when you run, journalists are going to chase you. And we've seen that with Barry Bonds. We've seen it with Roger Clemens. And they've been on those tails for a few years now. So they're just getting warmed up with you, A-Rod. And I don't think that we've heard the end of the A-Rod 
performance-enhancing drug story. I really don't. Well, I got to say that I'm looking forward to, I think, there's, what, 30 other people that were on that same list that A-Rod was on? Try 103. 103. I knew there was a three and a zero in there. I just missed a one. But I'm really interested to see who else is on that list. Well, we may not find out. Well, I I, I think if there's other big-name players... We will find out. Look at we look at what's happened, the trends and the events that have taken place with A Rod and everybody else. I think, like you said, if there's something out there, the media is going to find it. Someone's going to leak it. Well, Kurt Schilling and Lance Berkman, two players in particular, have said, "I'd like that list to be released." Now, if you want to side with A Rod on all of this, and I know Bob Costas has not sided with A Rod, but he said that he thinks it's criminal, and I would agree with him that someone leaked sealed grand jury testimony. This was confidential, highly confidential information, and it was released. So if I'm Alex Rodriguez, and we talked about this with Mark Fonerawada, you can go onto our website, sportsbusinessradio.com, and listen to that interview. I think A-Rod has a case against the Players Union because they were supposed to destroy the evidence and the samples, which they never did, and then... The evidence was subpoenaed by the government when the Bauco case was going on. And then, lo and behold, this evidence that was highly confidential gets released. And out of all of the 104 names on the list, A-Rod's the one name that was found out. Now, I think there are other people, other journalists in this country who already know the names of the 103 people that are on that list. But for whatever reason... They're not ready to put those names out there yet. Could be legal ramifications, uh, could be promises to sources that said, look, I'll only release this one name because this is the big fish on the list. This is the most shocking name of all. But I just think, and I wrote on my blog this week, I'm not buying this hip injury. We didn't hear about it two months ago. We didn't hear about it until recently. There was no catastrophic accident or incident that took place where A-Rod took a blow to his hip. Um, I don't buy the fact that, you know, if he had had his hip injured in the past and this was a degenerative thing, well, he had surgery before, he was out and missed time due to his hip. This came out of nowhere. Yeah. And I'm just not buying that it is a legitimate injury. I think he did what was basically the, the smallest surgery. Arthroscopic surgery is the easiest surgery to recover from, but it gives just enough time for A-Rod to miss the opening of the season and for the spotlight to be on the new Yankee Stadium and the new players that they signed. And again, I don't think we've heard the end of this story. Well, we'll stay tuned. We will definitely stay tuned. All right, coming up next, more of this edition of Sports Business Radio. Again, you can always find past episodes of Sports Business Radio. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com. This is Brian Berger, host of Sports Business Radio. We live in an age where everything is on the record. What we say anywhere, whether it's in an elevator, in an email, or during a conversation with a reporter, is now being broadcast instantaneously on YouTube, in a blog, or through the mass media. It's easier than ever to spot someone who has been traditionally media trained and is just giving you that same old boring PR speak. I want to help you navigate the tricky media landscape. When I'm not hosting Sports Business Radio, I team with former Nike PR director Lee Weinstein to form Evergreen Media Training. 
Evergreen Media Training assists individuals and groups by offering unique preparation and training catered to your specific needs. From explaining today's media environment to providing you with post-training, monitoring, and feedback, we'll guide you every step of the way. With nearly 40 years of combined experience working with some of the biggest names in the sports industry, we'll help you communicate your messages honestly, thoughtfully, and from the heart. For an overview and a list of services, visit evergreenmediatraining.com or email me at brian at sportsbusinessradio.com. The website is sportsbusinessradio.com. Philadelphia Eagles game day employee Dan Leone was fired last week after he vented on Facebook about former Eagles safety Brian Dawkins' signing with the Denver Broncos. This story broke in the Philadelphia Inquirer this week. Leone on his Facebook page wrote, Dan is bleeping devastated about Dawkins signing with Denver. Darn Eagles are retarded. Leone said that less than two days after posting the Dawkins remarks, he was contacted by the Eagles and they told him over the phone that he was fired. Nathan, that, that's should they have fired him or is he allowed to vent his frustrations like most Eagles fans, by the way, about the departure of the longtime Eagles safety Brian Dawkins to the Broncos. Absolutely. They should absolutely have fired this guy. I mean, listen, if if I go out and I badmouth my company around town where people can see it in a public forum, I don't deserve to work for that company because I'm not taking pride in the place I work. That's why I'm always very careful on my Facebook not to write anything like, this is what I'm doing today, or I'm calling in sick and playing hooky. You don't write that anymore on Facebook. Now, this was a game day employee. This was not a full-time staffer for the Philadelphia Eagles. So by that logic, Nathan, you're basically saying that even people who sell popcorn and peanuts and, and Coke at the game, they shouldn't be venting on their Facebook page either. Hey, look, if there's a delivery person that works for Coca-Cola drinking Pepsi, He's not a corporate guy, but he's a delivery guy. Shouldn't be working there. All right. It's a good lesson for all you Sparkies out there. Your Facebook page, don't mess around with it because if Big Brother's watching, in this case your employer, you might be looking for a job. All right. Lots of thank yous on our show this week. Nathan Roach, Bobby Corser, Josh Blank, Darren Peck, Ron Barr, James Harris, and Doug Zanger. Our sponsors, Morton's The Steakhouse, the Warsaw Sports Marketing Center at the University of Oregon, ProTrade.com and Evergreen Media Training. A podcast reminder, you can catch our show on demand via podcast every week. Just go to sportsbusinessradio.com and click on the podcast page. I'm Brian Berger, hopefully going to have David Falk, agent for Michael Jordan, author of Bold Truth, on the show next week. You've been listening to Sports Business Radio. Sports Business Radio talks to the people who call the shots in the world of sports. Robert Sarver, the owner of the Phoenix Suns. When people come to a Suns game, what kind of an experience do you want it to be for them? We want them to be entertained from the time they walk in to the time they leave. The co-owner of the Sacramento Kings, Gavin Maloof. Gavin, thanks for joining me. My pleasure, Brian. How are you? Dr. Miles Brand, the president of the NCAA. Sports Business Radio. That's why you're a smart business person. (laughs) Or at sportsbusinessradio.com.